In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. It's my birthday. We watched a show. Happy birthday to me. It's my birthday today. The day we I thought at first you were doing. I thought at first you were doing the Marilyn Monroe like seductive birthday song to yourself. No, that's that's a level of. Weirdness. I I hope I never get to. Um, Happy birthday! Thank you. It is my birthday. Normally, um, we don't do anything that like super dates this show, but um, it is the third of June, two thousand and twenty-three, and I am a whopping forty-two years fun today. As, as we discussed in our production call, now even the drinks I order are old enough to get drinks for themselves. Um, but the real thing I wanted to start off asking you about today is, um, are you aware of the science Probably fiction not. property called Dune? Dune? Yes. D-U-N-E. Correct. Um, like a sand this, dune? Okay, so the answer no, is no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I, I know, actually, actually, I, I feel like I have heard of that. Do I know anything about it? No, but it, the name does sound familiar. Okay, because that has recently been revamped with Timothée Chalamet as the lead guy. <laughs> okay. And... Zendaya is there and some other people. It's in the desert on a desert planet called Arrakis. That sounds like something I hate. Got it. Yeah, that's why I was asking you about it because this particular show that we're talking about today had a very Dune-like quality. Um, Mm. And so... Then Dune is off my list, let me tell you. (laughs) I mean, I know it. I... I will eventually force us to watch the original movie, which has Kyle MacLachlan and what's oh. that other lady, Virginia Madsen in it. I don't know who she is, but Kyle MacLachlan, I'm aware of because I've been rewatching you would Sex know. in the City. <laughs> yeah, you would know um, Virginia Madsen if you saw her. You would recognize her. Yeah. It just, okay. Well, here's what I'll say. I don't like, this is... We, I am such a hater on this show, and I'm and and 
trigger warning, I'm going to be a hater today. <laughs> I knew so you would. You so if you don't like people being a hater, you can just turn it right off right now. But <laughs> I don't like a sand planet. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. I don't actually even like a movie that takes place in the desert on this planet. I don't like a sand based <laughs> movie. <laughs> unless it's like, unless it's like at a beach. Like, yeah, the sand at the beach is nice. The sand in a but desert I don't like, is bad. Mainly because I feel like any show that that's the premise, show or movie that that's the premise, is like an action movie of some kind or science fiction. There's a huge problem in the desert. Someone's lost in a desert. They have dirt all over their face. Like, I don't know. It's just like... <laughs> There's a lot of like grimy sweating that happens. Yes. Yes. I don't like it. I really don't. And I don't know how, I don't know, I don't quite know why, but I don't like it. Yeah. No, I can't say that I'm a fan of this. I'll say, I'll, we don't, we're not finishing yet, but I will say, I can't say I was a fan of this particular thing. I had never heard of it. I was just struck by the similarities that it has with Dune because Dune is like Mm. this very well-known kind of epic space saga um and in fact what we'll soon talk about is that this the concept of this actually even predates that which I was surprised by so let's I guess wait I just have a really quick question yeah I just have a really quick question and maybe like maybe it'll make more sense in the context of when we talk about the actual show but like a show like this or something like Dune which I've never seen what (laughs) (laughs) What does someone watching it get out of it, I guess? Because, like, (laughs) it's not fun to watch. You also don't know, maybe just me, don't know what's going on. That Mm -hmm. that is probably just me. And, And, like, okay, there's some cute people from, you know, time to time. But a lot of times even the cute people have, like, a weird, like, something going on in their face that's, like, kind of unwatchable, like, in this show. The right, girl the that bla- had the, the weird, like, the black scale eye. thing. Had- oh. Oh, was that... Wait, black eye? Yeah. I think okay. we're talking about what the a- same person. She had, like, scales on half her face, sort of, or yeah. something? Yeah, well, I think that was scars from a burn. Oh. And Didn't then like that it. same side of her face also had... I mean, what was reality? Just, like, a contact lens to make her whole eyeball right. look black. Right. Yeah, I don't like that. And so, I just... I don't, I do not get it. It's, and that's fine. We, we've established, I don't get it. Like everything is not for everybody, but I just like really would a little bit like to understand what the appeal is. Cause I just like, I'm so, so lost on what could possibly be fun about it. I mean, I guess what I would uh, say is that shows like this, movies like this, epic sagas like this, like Star Wars is a bit like this as well. Um, they are for people who prefer science fiction, but like the vibe of Game of Thrones. Hmm. If Hmm. that makes sense. I don't know if you ever were much of a Game of Thrones person either, to be honest. I was not. And that one, with that, I could get into it. I could, like, I watched a few episodes and I didn't, like, I wasn't angry at it. But I was confused. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. it was one of those shows where like there was too many people too many I couldn't people. keep up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I didn't also give it like a, probably a fair shot. Like that maybe it's too it's too far gone now. But like um I didn't hate it, but it's definitely not fully my vibe either. Yeah, that's that's all I can say is this is yeah. this type of genre of science fiction or subgenre, I guess, is for the person who likes a fantasy thing, but who also likes it to be like not magic, not yeah. elves, but like similarly complex, <laughs> similarly mm-hmm. arcane, like lots of different moving parts and things. Yeah. It's kind of that vibe. So yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we're discussing today? (sighs) We are discussing (laughs) a show called Foundation, and Mm -hmm. it ran slash runs, don't know if it's still going, from Mm -hmm. 2021 to the present. It's still going. Okay, yikes. Um, And specifically... You're going to really lose your shit when you learn how many episodes they plan to have. Yuck. Um, (laughs) Specifically, the episode we watched was called Mysteries and Martyrs, which was from October of 2021. Correct. So... The IMDb description for this says, A complex saga of humans scattered on planets throughout the galaxy, all living under the rule of the Galactic Empire. Ugh. Now, I, yep, I know I, ha- I hate all those words. I literally I hate know, all those words. I know. Um, now, that doesn't, now that is, as with many in IMDb description, it's not that it isn't that, um, but that description leaves a lot of filling in. I guess I'd say, Um, because what, so again, because this is our constant uh, trouble with TV series, I didn't want to just force us to watch the first episode, because often the first episode of something, it's not that it's bad, but it's like kind of extra boring. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was like, let's just pick something. And now in, not, I won't say in fairness, I'll say in transparency, (laughs) I... As our listeners have probably figured out, I had a bit of a weird month this past month where I had various kinds of travels and disruptions. So Mm -hmm. it's been a while since I've gotten to sit down to watch one of these. And I felt like, you know what we're really overdue for is like a truly science fiction-y science fiction thing. Like we've been on Earth quite a bit lately. Um... We've been so you, on purpose, did something to make me mad. Yes, I did. I will admit that I am big okay, enough well to admit. Okay, well, because it's your birthday and because it's your birthday only, I won't hold a grudge. But okay. otherwise, I would hang up right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I can't. I am big enough to admit that I was like. I know what Amy hates is dark, big, gray ships. I know she hates big, gray ships. Uh, We don't like space problems. Um, You know, like, definitely not a lot of, like, backstory and kerfuffle. And I was like, let's pick this thing. So let's do all of those. Thing. Um, (laughs) Yes, I did that. And I I can, I Mm -mm -mm. take responsibility for that choice. 
Now, would it improve your mood to know that I also found this confounding and boring? Um, you know, it doesn't, but it <laughs> it helps me feel less dumb because that's the other, I guess, probably my, you know, if someone were to like psychoanalyze me, my anger comes from the fact that I feel stupid when mm-hmm. I watch things like this because yeah. I'm I'm really like I don't know what's happening right. from moment to moment. And that's okay because, so that's where I was going to go after this. So the IMDb description gives us a little sousant of an idea of what this show <laughs> is about. Um, the Wikipedia description of the premise is, quote, the thousand-year saga of the Foundation, a band of exiles who discover that the only way to save the galactic empire from destruction is to defy it. Now, that... Still doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it gives us some premi- some better ideas of what's going on. For example, like, why is this show called Foundation, for example? Um, That's true. And it gives us the notion that the Foundation is a group of kind of um, rebels, right? Yeah. Um, and that, I guess we already knew Galactic Empire from the previous one. Now... What Did you have to? Does that well? I don't know what that means, but I also don't what care. galactic empire. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what an empire is that? Just is. yeah, I just feel like that's something they yeah, but I feel like galactic empire is something they just like say in science fiction. Well, in this case, don't they say that exact same thing in Star Wars? Isn't it the empire yes. versus the blue blah, blah blahs or whatever? The rebels. Yeah, the rebellion. The rebels. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I think is really interesting, and we're about to get into why this is intriguing. But, like, yes, the concept of an empire in is not new in science fiction, uh, kind of that's popularly available. Or, I guess, in the world, I suppose. Also, or, in, or in human history, <laughs> indeed. Um, and in this case, rather than... Because in Star Wars, it's just called The Empire, like capital T, mm-hmm. capital E. In this case, mm. it's the Galactic Empire, capital G, capital E. <laughs> and um, the Galactic Empire, I mean, galactic just means of the galaxy. Right. So that it controls the entire galaxy, basically. Mm-hmm. And so... What? You know what? I have a question. <laughs> oh, God. Never mind. That's going to be is, is it what question. Is it what is a galaxy? No. I mean, I... Is well, it about really how get, they can have to get into a galaxy? Like the science. Is it how they can have a galaxy on a cat's collar in Men in Black? No, that is I that? understand perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so like that. See, that's digestible for me. That I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> no, but I was just gonna. I was just thinking about how, like, in all of these like big epic type, uh, what the fuck, science fiction things where there's like an empire and the this side versus that side or. Who's in charge of all of that? Like, is there, they, I don't, I know in so, like Star Wars, it's like Darth Vader is the leader. Right. He's a, he's the president, let's say. Of yes. He's the that emperor. side. Emperor. Okay. So yes, yes cause it's not a democracy. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Haven't you okay, seen our, the prequels? Duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I haven't. Well, I have. I've seen a lot of the Star Wars stuff. If you start asking like actual questions about it, my knowledge, no. you know, I shan't unravels. be doing that. And then just so, 
just so everyone knows, if it's not become clear, I can't remember if I've ever said it on this show. We are never going to cover any Star Wars or Star Trek-related material. The first one doesn't bother me at all. The second one hurts my heart. But the reason we're not going to do that... Okay. The reason we're not going to cover any of those franchises is because they're already super-duper covered. So there's just, like, nothing more. Yeah, no, there's... Right. And, you know we would probably get into like legit fights about Star Trek because you would be like, <laughs> like cavelling and I'd be like, this was garbage. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but so basically as in any empire, the emperor is in control. And then okay. because, I mean, this is kind of, we're getting a little bit sidetracked here, but it's probably, worth okay, okay, we, no, I mean, I can say it, Concisely. Um, The challenge for pretty much any empire, be it in actual history um, of this planet and as depicted in pretty much every epic science fiction saga or fantasy saga or any saga that includes an empire. The problem Mm -hmm. is precisely this, that empires are always run by an emperor. So a person is responsible for increasingly giant, far-flung sets of territory. And so to maintain that requires these, like, various levels of kind of management and bureaucracy to, like, have everything continue to function. Um, And so what often happens, and certainly is part of kind of the theme of, again, any kind of science fiction or fantasy property is the notion that, and this this reflects this one as well, is the notion that typically as empires grow, the people who have the most power become the least connected to the realities of the places that they are responsible for. Um, Yeah, it's like CEOs of companies. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, think of it as a little tiny... I don't know, Apple or something. Um, sure, or sure. like a super, or no, the other way around, a super giant Apple. Um, yeah. And then maybe that helps to understand Yeah, I get it. that. So what I think is also really interesting about this, because this is going back to kind of Dune, but also fits with the Star Wars talk we've just been having. This particular series is based, is loosely based anyway, on a series of books called the Foundation Series, written mm. by super famous sci-fi author Isaac Asimov. Between, and they were originally written as kind of short stories that got, he kind of, kind of, how would I say, like couldn't let it go and kept writing more and more. <laughs> um, and, so, and so the original set um, of books come out between 1942 and 1950. And so just for those of you who are like, oh, wow, okay. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings doesn't come out until 1954. And Frank Herbert's Dune doesn't come out until 1965. So Mm. I'm not totally sure of this, um, but it's very possible that Isaac Asimov is actually the person who comes up with the notion of the epic space opera saga sort of thing taking across like thousands and thousands of years 
how interesting that I married someone named Isaac and yet I could hate someone named Isaac so much. (laughs) (laughs) Now, because of my thoughts and views about marriage and relationships, are you talking about the same Isaac? The same guy? No. (laughs) I'm talking... I know, that did sort of sound like I was talking about him both times. No, I meant like... Married to someone named Isaac, and this Isaac has is come up with, like, my literal hellscape. Yes. Now, if you, if you really, to get the full thrust of this, um, like I said, uh, Asimov kind of got into this world and then couldn't sort of let it go, so he started by writing a trilogy of books, um, and then eventually that he added two prequels and two sequels to those original set of three. So for a total of seven <sighs> books, I have no idea how what long they are. Probably long. What is it with, what is it with people with prequels and sequels and requels and like, I, just write I mean, the damn story. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I have a little bit more respect for it when that's happening in the 1950s or even, well, actually the 1940s. Sure. I mean, it depends. Because it, some of them can be done well. Still, I get it. There were still new ideas also happening alongside. Sure. Now, at this point, no one has any new ideas. And so I'm much less into it than I would have been It depends. Times. I mean, I, I said that, but then I immediately thought of, like, some, like, prequels and sequels of, like, horror films, and I would, like, probably take that back. But, like... And what would we do without Sister Act 2? Come on. Oh, very true. And um, <laughs> that is, that's actually very, very true. I'm trying to think of another, like, I mean, I'm not a Godfather fan, but I know, like, I know. a lot people, of people yeah, consider Godfather Part that. 2 better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also intriguing, or maybe not intriguing, but of note, um, Isaac Asimov's daughter, Robin, is executive producer of this series. <laughs> Um, and so this is the first, as far as I can tell, this is the first attempt to get this series of books into some sort of visual format. Um, Mm -hmm. probably because, and we'll talk about this a bit as we talk about, um, the plot of this episode. Uh, I think, because we've also talked about this before in a number of different, like, series where, like, some science fiction goes so far into the future where it's Mm -hmm. like oh, no, like, this is, like, 15,000 years ahead, and this is kind of that sort of thing. Oh. Um, Did they say anything about what year it was, or that was just, like, sort of, like, backstory mm, we were supposed to know-ish? So I'll have some information about that that comes out in the course of the shows, I think, in episode one of this series. But okay, I also, okay. but that's the other thing. Here's my other thing. This just shows my whole thing. I attempted, as you know, I try and watch at least like the pilot episode of the things that we watch so that I can like have a little you bit of a baseline. couldn't even get through it? I couldn't even get through it. I kept falling asleep. Oh, wow. And for me, I say stuff like, oh, I wish I had known like when in the future it was. But that's crap. That's crap. Because like <laughs> I didn't care. They're, like I had, I did actually when I like, when I was watching it, that thought didn't even cross my mind because I was just like, this, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. I, we will get into it, but this is like super, super deep future. Like okay. way, way beyond. Like we're like our bones will be dust and the dust will be gone and this will yeah. still be like 10, Good, thank years God. after that. <laughs> well, thank 
fucking um, God. Because. Yeah, no, because I, I, see, I don't like the world that this describes either. So, you know. No, I would, that's the other, me, mm, it's not the reason I don't like science fiction, but, like, I could also just absolutely not picture myself in any of these worlds, and maybe that is, like, a sort of, I guess that's not the reason why I would joy, enjoy, like, shows or media is, like, if I can yeah, imagine you don't myself wanna there. Picture your, but you like, don't want to picture yourself in, like, the last house on the left. <laughs> like, no, but I could, but I could at the same time. Like, I don't want to, but I feel like I could. Sure. Or, it's based in reality. Yeah, I guess that's the bottom line. Ish. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Um, now, now here's the thing. So... And this is also... I read dis- this and I hate it. Yeah. So, and this is also distinct from the Star Wars meta- whole thing. Because in Star Wars, the rebellion is fighting the Empire so that the Empire goes away forever. In this case, mm. the Foundation books occur across a thousand-year period, which is meant to be the period of disruption, where the Galactic Empire falls... And then this that subsequent millennium is kind of like chaos time. And then a new empire will rise. And the foundation is actually trying to hasten the arrival of the next empire. So they're actually big Ugh. fans of the empire, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. And it's harder to root for. Like, I guess I'll say this. Like, I, it's not, I, I guess it depends on the empire, but I'm, it's, to me, it's a weird storytelling choice to mm-hmm. be like, to have them these, be like bad, to have them be like, these are the heroes and they're fighting so that an empire can exist. Like, yeah, that seems like a weird choice. Um, but that being said, the empire that we're dealing with, the galactic empire is not a great one and we'll get into it. But yes, this is the next thing that I was about to say is so. This, this series, The Foundation, is meant to cover an 1,000-year period of time. <laughs> and so they do mm. have next season planned. It's actually going to come out, like, the next set of episodes will come out in about a month from now. Um, so they have 80 episodes planned to cover that 10,000 years, which since they drop about 10 a year, that means the show is going to be on for, like, Seven more years or something. I have legit so many questions because, like, and they're all, like, more business-related than (laughs) they are, like, show-related. I would be so curious what other shows or projects have ever been greenlit for 80 episodes at one time. I, I don't after know. After a single se- a single season. I don't know. I mean, I did I do remember reading in Wikipedia that this that I guess like no one has covered in a thousand year period in a TV show, which fair makes enough because it's insane. Um cuz nobody cares. Yeah. But That's, I guess I mean I'm trying to think of like my know. favorite show, and I couldn't even tell you what it was. But like Friends, my favorite show, if they, obviously. Well, I don't know about like that might not be contemporary. I still like that show, but like I feel weird saying it's my favorite show nowadays. <laughs> but fair like, enough. But if they said some show that I really liked was coming out with 80 new episodes, that would be really exciting. But I'd also be like, holy shit. I'm not even yeah, sure. That would be I a want that for commitment. a show that I like. <laughs> yeah, that's a real time commitment. Like, yes, shows oh, do get God. 
shows do get to like, you know, I know that they, in fact, Friends might even be one where they like celebrate their hundredth episode and, you know, like stuff like that. Um, but I yeah, don't that's know. Over, and it is over like a 10 year period and everything, yeah. but I don't but know still, that. Like, and not all I don't, it. yeah, I don't know. I don't know actually if they've fully accepted that it's like that, that really will happen. Um, okay. It's just like that, that would be what they would need. That's to the be plan. Able to, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So anyway, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so turning to the cast, I guess I'll start um, with the people who are basically unknowns, and then we can circle back to the two guys who are recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this is kind of I've noticed this. I think this is a bit kind of a game of Game of Thrones. It has become a truism in these like big. Um, ensemble cast shows that they seem to be real like platforms for people who are basically unknown to get out which I do appreciate yeah I'm I'm all for the employment of actors I get it like yeah do your thing but it would be I will say nobody cares about my opinion but it would be a conundrum for me if I was like in Hollywood and like making it (laughs) right and I had to do a show like this for of sure. course I would do it. I like bleh, duh. I would do it, but I would I think I would struggle. <laughs> like, oh, you mean as an actor in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, you take the jobs you're offered and then see how of it goes. Of course I would do it. I'm not, like um, who am I? But like but I think I would really struggle with it internally. Yeah. That's fair. Um so for example, the the actual kind of main protagonist of the whole story story from what I've been able to discern who doesn't play a big role in this episode is a char- character called Gail Dornick played by a 26-year-old Lou Lobel um who is Spanish and Zimbabwean I learned um hmm. and her first credit is, is 2021 the same year this oh. was released um, then there's the character called Salvor Hardin, played by Leah Harvey, um, who uses they, them pronouns, but we will learn that Salvor's character is referred to as she and her. Um, mm. Quite a lot of these actors hail from London specifically, so mm. Ulo Bell, Leah Harvey, um, and Cassian, Cassian Bilton and Tania Miller are all... Uh, in some way, shape, or form coming out of London and London acting schools. Um, Okay. In the case of Leah Harvey, uh, they've been around. Their first credit was in 2008. Um, And one of their projects was called An Admin Worker at the End of the World, Um, (laughs) which... (laughs) I love that. I'm not going to lie. I feel like that's got to be... someone who works in admin... I yeah. feel that deeply. Yeah. And I kind of like to watch that show. I know. <laughs> I feel movie. like it's some sort of commentary on the futility of human existence. But I don't yeah, know. that sounds like it. Um, then there's a character called Demerzel, played by a 40 year old Laura Byrne. Laura Byrne is Finnish and has been around <laughs> kind of the longest of any of these people. Her first credit is in 2001, and unsurprisingly, most of her credits are Finnish productions um so mm-hmm. i can't even tell if they are funny names because they are all unfinished so to me, in- everything mm-hmm. looks funny but like i don't know well and is and is very hard to pronounce i'm guessing Indeed. 
Um, but she seems to have started to transition into doing primarily English language stuff um, about 10 years ago, around 2014. Um, then we have a character called Brother Don, played by Cassian Bilton. Um, his first credit is in 2016, and he has like literally maybe five or six credits on his IMDb page, all of them short films prior to this. Hmm. Um, then there's his love interest, Azura, played by Amy Tiger, um, whose first credit is in 2015. And then finally, we have the character is called Zephyr Halima, played by Tania Miller, who again is, has been around a bit more. I felt as though I recognized her. Um, her first credit is in 2007. Um, she's in a couple episodes of Sex Education. She was a more mm. meaningful player in The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, oh. Yeah, so she, she was someone where I was like, I feel I've seen her before, but I couldn't quite... Because I've seen, I've watched some sex education. I've watched some of The Haunting of Bly Manor. So I knew I had seen her somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the, the people you might possibly have had a better chance of recognizing, um, the character's name, he's also, so Gail Dornick and the character Harry Selden are kind of the, the main protagonists of this foundation series, at least at the start, I guess. Um, and Harry Selden is played by Jared Harris, um, who kind of looks like, um, God, who's the guy who's Kirsten Dunst's husband? Jesse something. Oh, Jesse, yeah, yeah, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, so he kind of looks like Jesse Plemons' dad. Is what I would say. Oh, I was going to say, you're, you're about to roast the hell out of Jesse Plemons if you're about to say what I think you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, like an older version. I could see that. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, if you're trying to tell me Jesse Plemons is attractive, I will call you a liar because... I didn't on. say that, but I thought you were I thought you were comparing him looks-wise to a person who is 61 and he's... <laughs> Me and I don't know how no. Jesse Plemons is, but he's not sixty-one. No, that's why I'm like he looks like his dad. Yeah, um, and that's that's fair. That's fair. And so, yeah, Jesse uh, Plemons I, is thirty-five. Really? Yeah, that makes that sense. That is actually a little younger than I thought. But oh, I'm yeah. Oh, because Kirsten Dunst maybe is older than that. I think that's yeah. Right. I think so. Um, because I think she'd be closer to my age. Um. Yeah. Anyway, what I didn't know about Jared Harris, he's in a bunch of stuff. You've seen him around. Um, he comes from a whole family of actors. His parents were actors. His brothers are actors, too. Um, he went to Duke University, which is, like, kind of just weird. Um, his first <laughs> Why is credit, that weird? Well, I'm like, what brought this British Isles young man to Duke, of all places? <laughs> like, I guess um, so. But his first oh, yeah, acting credit... Yeah, his first acting credit is in 1989. Um, he's gone on to be in such things as Far and Away, Natural Born Killers, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, something intriguing called The Devil's Violinist, um, mm. and Morbius. Um, and he has a variety of upcoming projects in, uh, aside from this one. Um, and he just often, to me, kind of is the guy, he's just... You know, he looks not like a villain exactly, but um, 
someone There's who something wouldn't... a little bit um, shifty always sounds rude if yeah. I say that, but like. But he it, does look shifty. <laughs> he looks like a British old man who could be like we could he could be super lovable or there could be like a little bit bit of an edge. He looks like he could be easily like a Fagin or some such mm. thing, you know. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. that's like, I'd be as likely to see him doing crime guy stuff as see him at like a gallery opening. Kind of like, I could also see him too, because he's British. Like I could see him and I'm about to look up his theater credits, right? I see, here we go. He was in like, well, at Henry the fourth, Henry the, um, oh. I, I could see King Lear. Like I could see him as like, you know, playing the... A period piece villain. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's in plenty of those. Um, yeah. The other guy who is more recognizable in this, the character's name is Brother Day, and we'll talk about why there's a Brother Dawn and a Brother Day. Um, and that's played by a 42-year-old Lee Pace, um, who I learned went to Juilliard, which is intriguing. Um, mm. He... The way I know him best is actually from this kind of weird show from the early 2000s called Pushing Daisies that also had Kristen Chenoweth in it. Yeah, I never watched it, but I knew of it. And I think that's how I recognize him, too, even though I didn't like I was recognizing him, but I was like not able to place him. Yeah, he's also one of the weird um, kind of fake love interests of uh, Kristen Bell and When in Rome. Have you seen that rom-com? Oh, I've not seen that one, no. That's, um... I think I, I mean, would like it, though, probably. A hundred percent stupid. Um, well, because, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but it is... I mean, I, I genuinely don't think rom-coms of that nature are allowed to be made anymore. <laughs> but, like... Um, <laughs> Why? But because the premise is that she like is uh, she's like unlucky in love and she goes to Rome for her younger sister's like fancy wedding and gets so drunk she kind of like gets upset and like there's this like famous love fountain that if you like throw your coin in you fall in love and she like grabs some coins from it and says like these are mine now because like my love life sucks and then like the men who threw in the coin all get drawn back to Rome to find her. Oh, okay. <laughs> and wow. one of them, that and is one wild. of them, here you go. It's her husband. One of them, no. And one of them is played by Danny DeVito. So. Oh, wow. Wait, but isn't that the one that Dax Shepard is in too? Yes, he is also in Yeah, it. that's what I thought. But this guy, Lee Pace, I was just looking up more of his stuff. He's also, he was in a movie called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in 2022. Yeah, that's more recent. Yeah. I saw that. So I think I might recognize him from that too. Yeah. And he's also, for people who are more on the Marvel tip, he plays Ronan in the various Marvel movies as well, mm. who is who is actually quite akin to this character that he plays here of like kind of a space bad man. <laughs> Uh, that is wild that that's like a genre of character but I but I know exactly what you mean 
like I would, I guess I, I guess Darth Vader is also a space bad man. Um, because if you think about them out of the context of these weird, like space worlds, like would they really be bad? I, I don't mean, know. I guess Darth I mean, Vader kind of still would be, but like, yeah, because well, because they have these like they have the same goals as any villain in any thing. But because their reach is space, it can yeah. be like so much more expansively bad that yeah. it's like like even yeah, this is another Marvel movie reference, but it's like Thanos going across the entire galaxy and being like, I'm just gonna kill half the people on every planet to fix the environment. <laughs> like um, It's not a bad idea though. <laughs> I mean, it's not a it, uh, let's say it is it's a bad not idea. A, let's well, let's get, a, be on a humanitarian. record. <laughs> let's be on record as saying killing half a planet is bad. Let's just okay, have fine. that on on. I just mean from like evidence. a high level. I just mean from like a high level perspective. Like if we're talking about the people sure. ruining the environment, what do we do? We get rid of the people. But I get it. Sure. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So now let's just dive into this show. Now, here's a bit of a weird thing. The episode was, I think, probably like 48 minutes long or something. 52. Okay, thank you. I knew you'd know it. Mm -hmm. And it is the shortest amount of stuff I've had to write ever in my handwritten notes. Really? Yes. Well... Let me tell you that even though it was 52 minutes, and some people might say only, some people might say that's long. If you're right. me, you yeah. might say that yeah. second one. But I, it still took me two watches to get through 52 no, minutes. No, I get it. But that's, to me, when I realized that, when I like was putting together the outline last night, I was like, wait a fucking second. Like, how come this show was so long, but like nothing happened? And I still don't have an that answer. That makes me feel better. Um, yeah. But I guess... The answer is, is like, and I did infer this from the way that Wikipedia was talking about, like, the critical reception of this show, is, like, there's a lot of, like, watching things happen without anything. Words. Yeah, without words and without really, like, they'll, like, spend a long time, like, we'll talk when they get to the kind of love scene, I guess. Like, there's a long time of, like, watching that transpire step by step without and I'm like, well, but not, so nothing's happening exactly. Like, right. Um, so we start out with what I've now started to call the prestige drama credit sequence. Um, okay. And here's where I tell you my favorite part of the whole show. And it's the credit sequence. Oh, okay. Because I, I wrote in my handwritten notes, does Amy already hate it just from this song? I didn't like the song. It wasn't the song. The visuals I thought were pretty and it was yes. so I well done is what I should say. Like it maybe is stretching it, but like it was really pretty to look at cuz it was nice and yeah. sparkly. Yeah, I wrote <laughs> but the it same was just thing. Like pretty graphics. Yeah, I was like lots of sparkles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I enjoyed. It was pretty. It was, I knew. It was aesthetically pleasing, but But I knew I that knew I knew even just the song itself was telling you information about how you weren't gonna like the show. I could yeah, tell, and you like, had already told me I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had already told me I wasn't going to, and I could tell even from that I was like, yeah, I'm in for it. But yeah, it went steadily downhill from there. 
Yeah. So where we begin is that we are on the bridge of a spaceship and Salvor. Now this is my most of my outline is just describing who these people are as well because I do, couldn't have told you. Yeah, as pulled from Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> so Salvor uh, is described as the warden of Terminus. Terminus is a planet. Okay. 35 years after Selden's trial, hero of the Foundation's first crisis, and Gail Dornick's daughter. At this point, we ha- in this episode, we have not seen Selden or Gail as yet. Okay, okay. So then Salvor is talking with some man, and my personal notes say, maybe her friend, question mark? And then yeah. you see the subsequent notes that say Wikipedia says this guy's name is Hugo and that they're lovers. So, Whoa. Uh, and is he the guy who had the dirty face? Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, so I had a whole inner monologue about dirty faces when I saw. There was him a lot too, of that. That's, there was a lot of that yeah. in this one. Um, dirty faces in space. Dirty faces on a desert planet. They were everywhere. Um, so they're talking. And because I learned from previous, from looking at the Wikipedia page, they have been captured by this woman who comes in, Farah. Um, Farah is the top military officer of Anacreon, uh, which is another planet in the Empire. And she has a axe to... <laughs> yep. Uh, sorry. She has an axe to grind with the Empire, and that's why she's captured not only Salvor and Hugo, but a variety of other people. Um, And she has captured them because she has found the fabled spaceship Invictus. Okay. So that whole description that I just said rolls out over like a very slow like I want to say like four to five minutes but like and I was distracted by a dirty face the whole time so I was like I don't know what's happening so when they find this ship there's a lot of like I'm looking at faces in amazement and (laughs) or rather the camera taking in faces looking in amazement at this ship because this ship has been lost this ship has been lost for 700 years and let me tell you that's gonna need a tune-up it well that's what we're gonna be watching them do um (laughs) and farah it turns out has been searching this ship out because it was made by emperor torellian and i don't know who this torellian character is because You'll see why this is a bit confusing later. Um, but basically, <laughs> the ship has been designed to be a quote-unquote world killer 700 years ago. And apparently uh-huh. is still quite deadly. Um, okay. And she wants to take that ship. She wants to use the people she's captured because they have various kind of, each one has like different sets of space skills. And she wants to use them to take the Invictus so that, because what she wants to do is take the Invictus to the center of the empire 
and attack the Empire with the ship. Whoa. So that's where we begin. All right. Um, (laughs) Then we watch them all suit up and they have to um, navigate an asteroid field to do like a spacewalk, space jump sort of thing. Um, Which I would never do in a million years. Oh my God. Um, the things that and, people do, I will, I, I, I don't know. Well, cause, cause we've, cause I will say as a science fiction watcher, we've, I, this kind of thing has been depicted before of someone being in a spacesuit and using, um, like inertia and like little kind of like tiny little rocket booster things to navigate through different space impedimenta to get to a different ship. Like that's been depicted yeah. in a few different things. Um, yeah. And every time I see it, and especially like this one, I knew we had to be like very, very ahead in space, like, or not ahead in time, mm-hmm. like very different from where mm-hmm. we are now. And I still kept thinking to myself, I'm not sure. Like the way people approach these spacewalks is like, it's dangerous. Like how going scuba diving is dangerous to us. Like, y- yeah. And I'm like, but oh even God. scuba diving, I would be curious about like statistics because yes, obviously I, would, I am not interested in doing it. But I'm saying no, like, I'm I am not either, and I wouldn't, and I never would. But I do feel that probably statistically, because you do, and I mean, I don't know, you do you do have to get certified to be do right. like scuba and diving. I'm sure so. you'd be ha- have to be certified. I for hope you have well. to be certified for something like this. But I would say statistically, at least from movies basing it on movies and TV, it it rarely goes well or it rarely goes no. seamlessly, it, let's say. Well, that's the thing is like you don't watch in a movie or TV show, not like a documentary about the sea, but in a movie or a TV yeah. show, you don't watch scuba diving unless something's going to go wrong. Well, true. And I guess, say, I guess that would be the same here. Yes, but, because of course what does go wrong is because... This ship has been unmanned for seven centuries. It still has all of its defense capabilities like intact. And so they Mm -hmm. have to land on a very specific part of the ship to be able to access it. And wouldn't you know, Salvor's lover Hugo doesn't make the landing and literally just like drifts off into space and we never see him again. Um, is that when the is that when the bitch lady is like swallow your grief? We have stuff yes. to do. <laughs> yes, because oh my she, god, I was like, she what let, is her fucking problem? Yeah, she doesn't let anyone go after him. Um, she sucks. So pretty rough. Meanwhile, back at a place called the Maiden, which, in case <laughs> you were wondering, is the holy moon at the center of the Luminist faith. What? Wow. (laughs) Um, It's as if I didn't even watch this show. (laughs) I mean, I didn't know this either. Like, as you'll see, you can even sort of see the stuff as I pulled it out from Wikipedia because I was like, I don't know what any of this is. Um, Yeah. But this, too, is very Frank Herbert's Dune because Dune is very, like, science and religion get sort of in the future. Science, religion, technology, 
all get kind of all like gets meshed together in the future. Mm-hmm. And so this is that same sort of vibe. So they're so the planet that they're on is called the Maiden, and it's like the holiest place of this religion. Inside Gross. of a pyramid or a palace or something. Brother Day is talking to Demerzel. Now, Brother Day is, again, this is according to Wikipedia, the middle-aged member of a series of genetic clones of Cleon I who reigns as emperor of the 12,000-year-old galactic empire. Okay. So, just for, like, the audience at home. (laughs) Yes. I didn't know concept of that. But what I saw... I think this is the scene. What I saw was a man. And then we were looking at that same man in a tube. That's later. That's later. Okay, okay, sorry. Yes, yeah. Um, So what this tells us, though, is that that question of, like, how far ahead in the future this is, it's at Mm. least... Some amount more than 12,000 years because the Galactic Empire has lasted for 12,000 years. Now, okay. And, and, I think anyway, I'm not totally sure. Uh, the Galact, well, what I, what I am sure of is that now the Galactic Empire is ruled by a set of three clones called Brother Dawn, Brother Day, and Brother Dusk. So Brother Dawn... I hate that. (laughs) I did not get that. I hate that. Brother Dawn is the one that is the youngest clone, which we'll catch up to in a second. Brother Day, middle-aged clone, and Brother Dusk, old guy. I hate that so much. I want to vomit. And so I think what happens is like... When a brother Dusk dies, dies, and the next they one get they get a move new up. brother Dawn. Mm-hmm. Brother Dawn becomes brother Day. Brother Day becomes brother Dusk. Well, first of all, that's confusing as hell. But okay, yes. I mean, I guess they all look the same, so who cares? But um, they're all the same clone. Just they're the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, not that I care. And I know we've sort of touched on this slash maybe like fully touched on it so we can't, don't have to linger. But when when something is like so far in the future and, and like kind of so far off the rails in terms of like what we could ever like prove scientifically now, mm. is that considered like less good from like a real true like sci-fi nerd perspective? I don't think so. I think it just depends on somebody's tastes. Because like, you know, like when we talked about the Martian low these many months or years ago, um, (laughs) part of what the appeal of that was for some people was how closely based on actual space practices it was. Right, Um, right. And some people, I guess, probably do really like that. And, and there's also something, I'm remembering now, there's also something that I think is called, like, hard science fiction, which mm. I believe does indicate, like, where you've really done the work to figure out, like, 
if there's this technology now, what might it be in the future? And quite a lot of the story revolves around how that works, or at least takes time to really explain how that works. This is not that. Um, Yeah. And I, and I, and I think probably some people would say, oh, I really like hard science fiction and that only, and other people would say, I kind of am fine with both, you know? Um, Okay. All right. uh, Fair enough. Now, let's just round this out. Demerzel, the lady he's talking to, is mm-hmm. his major domo, is how they're describing her from Wikipedia. I would describe her as an advisor, but that's basically the same thing. She mm-hmm. is the advisor to the emperors, and most intriguingly, one of the last surviving androids from the ancient robot wars. Whoa. Now, okay, <laughs> I will say one thing there. <laughs> Robot Wars, just that story alone, I might be interested in. Yes. Well, and it's also, again, this this in particular is a really interesting series of, like, kind of connections to both Star Trek and Dune because Star Trek, or sorry, Star Wars, because Star mm-hmm. Wars has the this, like, supposed ancient past called the Clone Wars as well. Oh, so, right. So anyway, you know. I, I, there's nothing wrong with being inspired by something else, but I do think it's interesting. Uh, yeah. That that's what's up. Hmm. Um, so this is just a very trusted compatriot because I guess Demerzel must be thousands of years old. And so she's the advisor to these emperors. Hmm. And specifically what they're talking about, I guess happened in the previous episode where a political rival called Zephyr Halima has like come on the scene and Brother Day is upset about it. Um, primarily because Zephyr Halima has revived the idea that the genetic dynasty of which Brother Day is a part is um, anathema to religious practice. Um, so she like specifically believes that um, if you're a clone, you don't have a soul, and so therefore oh. you shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed to rule. I guess basically. Um, I might not disagree with that. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't have enough information that's for someone. I mean, I guess that's, <laughs> I'm not going to make does, that decision. <laughs> yeah, I guess she is some sort of religious leader, so she might be the person to spend some time thinking about that. But I'm not the mm-hmm. one. Um, but basically. This is a political intrigue scene um, that leads us to Brother Day and uh, Zephyr Halima having a talk out at this religious pilgrims camp. Um, This is where we get to see some desert grime vibes happening. Um, Because she's taking care of all those people who are coming back from the pilgrimage and they're like laying out in that like tent, you know, like looking miserable. Oh, yeah. Um, But basically she says to him, like, there's nothing you can barter with me about I believe the genetic dynasty is wrong and there's nothing you're going to, like, change about that. Um, Meanwhile, back on the Invictus ship, um, they manage to open the airlock to get into the ship and Farah, with her facial scars and black contact eye, um, she kills <laughs> the guy who's figured out how to let them in. I, th- I don't really, 
maybe it would make sense in the broader context of the show, but like, I don't really get why she's killing the people who would also have to be there to man a ship of that that size. Is is this when she like shoots the guy in through his yes. mask thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was not nice. No, it wasn't. He figured out how to get them into the ship, and then she was like, "Boom, you're dead." And I these just, people are ruthless. I, well, she's dead. Ruthless is one thing. I just am like. This is a ship that normally, as we see, because when they get inside, there are all these like bodies floating, frozen bodies floating throughout the ship. And there are quite a lot of them. And you're like, well, so to run this giant ass ship, you clearly would probably need quite a lot of people. We are only a group of like eight people. And now you've just killed another of us. So... It just seems like a bad way to... I, I mean, I just don't see what her end game really is entirely. Or maybe she's just Evil nuts. people I sometimes... <laughs> I was going to say, evil people sometimes make choices that seem counterproductive. <laughs> yes, I suppose that's right. Um, so... It is, again, this is one of those scenes where, like, we're, we're looking a lot, but not a lot is happening. But it is really horrifying. So they, the reason that the dead bodies are frozen and floating is because all of the environmental, environmental controls in the ships have stopped working. So when they turn them back on, the lady who figures that out, I think she says something like, watch your head or, like, stay clear. And then as soon as they tr- activate the gravity, all the bodies that have been floating in the air crash to the ground and I do mean crash because they've been frozen so they all smash into like little bits (laughs) oh that's rough I mean there's no way around it that's rough it's not how I like to be imagining myself going um when once they activate the ship they realize that the ship is in some sort of jump mode which will which means that they've got about four hours to figure out where the ship has been programmed to jump to um i can't remember if this is when hold on a second oh yeah this is the other thing they they real they don't have any control over this jump it's like a pre-programmed thing and i think it's here Um, that they realize that part of the reason that the crew um, have died and the reason why this ship went missing 700 years ago is that no one knows how to actually control the jumps. And so if you jumped so far out of range, because it will go anywhere, if you jumped so far out of range that you couldn't be in communication with anyone, you might be there for like, a couple minutes or a couple months and like be without food or supplies or whatever. So they dot they basically Yikes. crew the crew of the Invictus kind of had like a Robinson Caruso like uh you know stranded in the seat in the in space somewhere at some point and that's why they all died. I I I gotta say, I gotta say, okay. We've talked about like <laughs> I think um we talked about really fun things on this about like our favorite ways we'd want to die and things like that and I will say this is not that, one this is not one. 
Oh, no, no, no. I think, like, literally last on my list of ways I'd like to die would be just, like, floating out into space and eventually, like, losing oxygen. And, however, whatever the hell happens, I'm not even sure. But, like, that's... Because I think it would be slow unless you were injured and, like, floated away. But if you're just, like, I mean, that first guy, right? Like, he just floated away because he... He's just floating away. He was, like, okay, but he just floated away. Correct. Like, how long until he actually dies? How long of floating Uh where you know you're going to die? That sucks. Yeah. It would be bad, is what I'm saying, is it would be bad. So that's happened. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, we go to the very center of the empire, which is a planet called Trantor. And, uh, and so they don't say this in this episode, but Trantor is such that, and I don't quite know how, I can't, you know, how big is a planet? I don't know. But like Trantor's surface is beautiful, but is only allowed to be used by uh, the different brothers, Brothers Dawn, Day, and Dusk, and their various multi-thousands of servants. Everyone else who lives in Trantor lives beneath the surface in this massive, like, multi-level city that is designed to, like, have kind of like a fake sky on top of it. Um, because only the planet's mm. surface, which is nice, is meant for the Imperial brothers or whatever. Um, and this is where we meet Brother Dawn and his love interest, Azura, where they meet in a greenhouse and have sex. Um, and then once they do that, Azura talks to him or gives him a gift of these special corrective lenses because Brother Dawn is <laughs> colorblind. Um, but he says he can't accept them. It's so random. Yeah. Well, so this is, I do think this is kind of interesting. So the thing is, is that Brother Don says that he can't accept the lenses because the other clan, other clones don't have colorblindness. He's the only one. And, and so, and he can't let them know, um, because this Mm. is where you see, Yes, these different versions in the watery tube reveal. Okay, he takes yeah, her yeah. down. He takes her down to the like clone uh, holding area or whatever. <laughs> and I don't know, man. I I can't describe it other than yeah, that. And it's like um, it's like the clone. Um, oh, shoot, what is it called when you? Um, they're not like they're like it's like. They're pickled versions of a clone. Yes. Or yes. like, yeah. And so the, so in this holding area, they've also got a version of Brother Dawn, Brother Day, and Brother Dusk that are floating in the nude in water with these funny little like neural links. And I guess what the thing is, is like they're always like they're on backup in case something happens to one of them. Um, and basically what brother Dawn says is if, if any of these three plus the other two who are out living life, if any of them figure out that he's colorblind, that they'll kill him because the empire needs to be without mistakes. 
Um, now I was thinking about. Oh, I was about... going to say that. It's... What? Oh, I was just say that. See, I was going to ask if that would be some like seen as a, you know, glitch or something. Yes. Yes. And I was, I did a little bit of digging into this because I, I don't know where this story is going, but I imagine that what is happening is the fact that he has colorblindness suggests that the clones are de- starting to degrade. Like they're And quality. are not really like fully cloning anymore. Right. Like sort that, of. The, the more you clone from something there's like mutations. that, there's, there's a limitation on like you can't indefinitely uh cl- and what i don't know well after 12,000 years maybe it starts to deteriorate well, and that's the thing that's the thing i'm not sure that this genetic dynasty necessarily even though the empire has existed for 12,000 years i'm not sure that it's been 12,000 years of these guys running it um mm-hmm. i couldn't quite figure that out they have been around for a long time certainly um because, like, the ship from 700 years ago was made by someone not called Cleon. It was made by someone called Torellian. So I'm like, maybe mm. this is a more there recent been different development. Versions of the clones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, and I also, I, because he also shows the original Cleon one and he says we've been harvested from him. But even so, I'm like, what if it is a bit kind of like multiplicity like i don't know if they're cloning clones or if they're going back to the original every time um they're gonna get one that's like uh i guess i can't say anything that i'm thinking (laughs) um Um, but i do wonder if that's i wonder if that's a seed they're planting plot Mm, point wise mm -hmm. to be like his colorblindness is indicative of a slow degradation that's going to start happening because the final um, little bit of this show is confusing because it's not to do with anything else because we're finally returning back to the protagonists, Gail and Harry. And basically, Harry is the start, is the one who creates the foundation and the reason he creates it is because he is, as you can see here, a mathematician and developer of something called psychohistory, which is an algorithmic science that allows him to predict the future in terms of probabilities. And and this I did manage to Whoa. catch when I was ta- when I watched the pilot. So basically, what he says is that he has input like all of the information of the past into mm-hmm. algorithmic form. And okay. then from that, he can make predictive algorithms about what will happen in the future. And he also says wow. that he is the, he is, it is more accurate the more people he includes in the calculation. So in other words, he can't... Whoa, does he work for TikTok? Perhaps he does. Maybe this is future TikTok. Um, Because so what he's saying is like, I can't tell you what you're going to have for lunch today, but I can look at our entire empire and say with relative certainty, this is what's going to happen. And what he says in the pilot is that our empire is set to fall apart in about 500 years. 
if we don't do something. And once it falls in 500 years, there will be 30,000 years of chaos before another empire rises. And so... Now, here's the thing. This is... This is... uh, Is everybody in this show immortal? Because I guess what I... No. Yeah, because I guess what I would say, and maybe it's selfish, and I'm sorry, but, like, if someone told me... (laughs) If someone told me, um, hey, in 500 years... And I guess maybe this makes me sound like a Republican, and I don't mean it that way, but, like... (laughs) In 500 years, the the world is going to collapse and we're going to have 30,000 years of chaos. I will be like, i got to be honest, that's the people in 500 years' problem. Because, like, <laughs> not that I'm going to try to make it worse right now, but I can't be responsible for that. You know? Right. You know what I mean? So that no, immortality, especially in a crazy-ass world like this, seems like it would be hell. <laughs> I think, I think what it, how would I put it? I think part of the difficulty that we have dealing with this concept is because really most governments that exist on planet Earth right now are relatively recent. Like even the oldest one is about 500 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for us... Yeah, like kind of thinking about time in that and particularly thinking about the future in like a long-term way like that is just yeah. not kind of our nature to do. However... Clearly not. <laughs> think about if you are from a world or from a, not just a world, a whole galaxy, a galaxy where the galaxy has been united. So that means like this is so far in our future. Like the galaxy has been united for 12 thousand years under one empire yeah and then and everyone knows it and everyone is born in it lives in it dies in it and it goes on and so on and so forth and then someone comes along and says in 500 years a blip Mm -hmm. a mere blip in 500 years this whole thing is gonna crash and burn and then we're gonna have such chaos for longer than this empire has even existed by a lot. More than twice as long. Yeah. I think oh, it's perhaps, alarming. I'm not going to say that it's not alarming. <laughs> no, I, I think perhaps people who are living in that type of a government structure with such longevity, they might be able to be motivated to do something. To do something, yeah. Because, yeah. because the, the basic thing that... Harry says, and he doesn't even say it in this ep- episode. This is from the pilot. He's like, we can't stop this empire from crumbling. It will crumble either way. What we can do dark. is kind of mitigate the damage so that the mm. kind of dark era will only be a thousand years so that we can get back to this empire thing, which we all like, which is weird to me too. I'm like, which we all like. Why do you Whoa. like it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it I don't know. It seems like, not fun, but... That's that's what I mean about from the storytelling aspect, it's kind of weird to be like, we all yeah. like this thing. Um, well, it's sort of like, I guess, just like, it's what we're used to. So, I mean, I yeah. guess hu- humans, as we are now, 
we're kind of like that too, but because it's like, like objectively our reality right now in our world is like terrible. <laughs> right. Right. But we're all kind of like, yeah, we like it. Well, and there is also, I would say, Maybe like not. a bit of a belief. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, there's only so much a person can do in anything. But like, also, right. I think as much as everything is quite young, like all of our governments, like I was just saying, I think there's also this kind of thing, like, but this will kind of be how it is forever, you know? Like, um, right. So you know, anyway, that's kind of the premise. But in terms of where this this particular episode ends, Harry has come back in the form of a hologram, basically. And reveals to Gail what his actual plan is. And he basically, because he's actually dead. So this is this hologram that explains to Gail, I had to die to be a martyr to create the foundation, which you're now going to lead. Um, and she's upset because she feels that this information was hidden from her. Um, and then the final scene is basically where he's like, I know that you are capable of doing this because you're actually even better at psychohistory and mathematics than I am. And and I can give you proof because I, like, because he's basically, like, thinking back to other things he's seen her do. And this was also mm -hmm. kind of in the pilot. It's implied that, like, she sometimes just seems to know what's about to happen. Mm. And and that's the final scene. Like, she seems to know because they're also near an asteroid field. And mm, a bit of, of an asteroid, of course. An asteroid, like, comes through their bridge's window and she, like, lifts, like, a shielding thing just as it's about to smash into her face. And that's, like, the <laughs> end of the episode because, like, I guess that's... I, I Again, I've not invested much time in this, but I guess what I would surmise based on the thing is like that's why she needs to lead the movement because not only can she do this big macro set of calculations which harry could do as well she it's now getting into her head to such a degree she can she can pinpoint at the individual level how stuff mm. is gonna go i think is what that final bit was supposed to imply hmm. and that's it horrible but like I, I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking about it because I was trying to think of like I'm such a hater so I was trying to like imagine something that I like something like I, if I like something niche like what would this be equivalent to and uh, as you know we know I enjoy musical theater so yes. I feel like this type of show is like throwing someone who doesn't like musical theater, doesn't even like the concept of musical theater, and <laughs> making them watch. I was trying to think of a show that fit, and the only one that's coming to mind at the moment, and it's probably just because I happened to see it last night, so it's in my mind, is Sweeney Todd. And the reason mm. I choose that one yeah, is because yeah. it's a little bit weird. It's Sondheim music, which is not the same like yeah. melodious sound that a lot of people you know, as ex, it's not as accessible yeah and um it's a lot of singing it there's not yes there's basically much, no talking yeah the scenes are very short until they're singing again and so yeah. for someone who's like musicals are not my thing they'd be like oh my god with this singing please stop <laughs> 
<laughs> well, lay, I would um, say Les Mis is another example of that. That's true, although that one does have, and maybe it would be, that's true. You uh, might have a have chance some, of liking a song in that. You might Yeah, and I mean, the melodies are a little bit more um, accessible because they're not yeah. such, like, atonal type of, like... Right. offbeat weirdness that Sweeney Todd is. Um, it's not as stylized. Like, sure. so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only thing about Sweeney Todd I think that that is, like, has the upper hand on something like Les Mis is there is some levity in it. Les Mis is sure. like, just a fucking bummer. Um, Sweeney well, Todd, see, there's, that, like, some levity in it. That's why I think Les Mis is a better comparison because there's no levity Maybe. in this. That's like true. everything that's is true. super fucking serious. Like there wasn't one, like that's true, quirky, and it's a little bit more epic. Yeah, there was. There wasn't one, and it's gen- and that one too is also generational. Like it cr- happens across a lot of time, right? Like, yeah, all, over like yeah, that's probably lives. yeah. You're right. Um, I guess it's hard for me to think of people not liking Lamas, but yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think that's a a slightly better fit, but I take your point. Yeah. Um, well, okay, before we dive into did you like this and would you recommend it, um, yawns and eye rolls. Uh, one yawn is this was pure magic. <laughs> Ooh. And, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. And ten yawns is I, this was like a sleeping pill. I couldn't keep my eyes on it. Well, that's, you know, that's interesting. I would assume that, like, I mean, my it's, I'm probably going to say 10, but it's not even because I, like, was falling asleep. I couldn't keep my eyes on it is correct. Not because I was sleeping, but because I was, didn't care. <laughs> I just like, didn't want to pay, didn't want to pay attention. I wasn't asleep, but I was doing other things, like, yeah. and just wanting it to be over. So yeah, 10, mm. it's like really up there for me. Yeah, this is even a tough one for me. I gotta say, this was a slog. And the fact that I fell asleep multiple times over while attempting to watch the pilot is also part of my <laughs> calculation. Yeah, that's materials. not, yeah. Um, so I guess I would I would probably have to say an eight, even for me. This was yeah. tough. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is like I loved this world. It was built to perfection. <laughs> and ten eye rolls is like not only was this needlessly complex, I didn't even get it. And I think I know the answer. That's ten. Oh, that's fully 10 because that's like you pulled those words out of my mouth. <laughs> um, I was like, is that a quote from earlier? Um, yeah. I, yeah, 10. Full 10. Hate it. Yeah. I, again, a nice, hmm, yeah, I'm, I might have to go 10 on this one as well. Um, because this, this, I will say, if it wasn't, if it hasn't already become clear... Um, I am not a person in the sci-fi world who likes Dune. I am not a person who likes Star Wars. Uh, this kind of blend of like super deep history and weird religious nonsense, um, and the kind of combining of, uh, yeah, what I would say kind of supernatural elements and acting as though that's some kind of new form of science or whatever, that is not 
my jam at all. Um, yeah. I just, I, I do not like it. And I guess what it really comes down to is like, it's a little bit too close to like mysticism and like religious stuff which I'm like, mm. I don't like to read about that. I just don't. Like, it's not for me. It's it's also yeah. what bothers me, even though I like many, a fantasy thing, that is also a problem for me in fantasy as well, is when there's like these kind of weird... When religion gets mixed in. Like, yeah, there's like some kind of like weird sect who controls or something. I'm like, I don't want to yeah. deal with that at all. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, this was not my bag either. So now... <laughs> Finally, did you like this and would you recommend it? That is a big hell no and a big you can go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely not. Like if I hated someone, if I like found an enemy and like wanted to fuck with them, I'd be like, yeah, go watch this. But no, there's no way. Watch all 10 episodes. Watch all of it. And I will, like, lock yourself in a room. I will lock you in a room and you can watch this. No, I, no, there's no way. I would never, no, I would never recommend it. Did not like it. The only, like, I suppose in terms of, like, if we're trying to, like, advertise this to people, um, it is watchable on Apple TV, which may or may not be convenient to some folks. Who knows? Um, so like that's nice. It doesn't you don't have to watch commercials, all that kind of stuff. But like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I similarly did not care for this, and therefore can't recommend it. Um, or I guess I could recommend it if I knew that, that someone, someone had ha- terrible like, taste. No, no. If someone told me I really like <laughs> Dune. I would be like, have you heard of Foundation? Have you seen this bullshit? Yeah. Yes. Well, the thing is... And even... I do think... I might even say to some some segment of the Star Wars camp, I'd be like, you might like Mm. this thing as well. Yeah. I do think that numbers-wise, this is like the the biggest reject that we've ever watched I feel like for sure I know I know that I've had a lot of um hatred (laughs) for things (laughs) over time and given things tens and whatnot but for us like both across the board like mainly tens and yeah both no recommend no go like I think this might be possibly a first where we both are like fully this might be this might be, which you're right, it's kind of a surprise. I am surprised about this. Yeah. But this might be our most hated thing we've ever yeah. watched. You know what? I would watch the fucking cell before I would watch this. Like, I didn't even want to and... mention it because I didn't <laughs> I want to revisit the difficulties we experienced in that episode. <laughs> But I did I mean, wonder, in, and that in is retrospect, really... maybe I would be less mad about that one now, based like on <laughs> like just <laughs> with this type of like I would I would rather be confused the way I was watching that. Than... I mean, that did occur on Earth, which is your preferred. It had location. some stuff going for it. It had Edgar suit. It had like <laughs> there were some things there. So like I can't hate it as much as I hated this. Well, on that note, 
Uh, what a pleasant way to kick off my birthday. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I mean, I, it actually was a pleasant way to kick off my birthday. I enjoyed this chat a lot more than I enjoyed watching this show. Oh, I talk um, about it all day long, but I will never watch it again. Noted. Noted for future. Um, so I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week. In space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.